Welcome to the first Martin Bailey Photography Podcast of 2011. It's January 1st, 2011, and this is episode 273. Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for listening as always, and I hope you'll stick around in 2011, and this is going to be a great year. With my December 2010 exhibition, The Nature of Japan, now finished, Today I'm going to talk a little about how it went, including the highlights and the areas that could have gone better. Before we jump into the main topic for today though, I wanted to just let you know that we've recently dropped the price of the MVP Podcast Companion iPhone app to $2.99. Despite that, we've updated the app with high resolution images for the iPhone 4 Retina display and added additional video support as well as better buffering of audio in the podcast player. I still honestly think that our app has the best depth of field calculator in the photography related app section and now with the new low price it's probably worth it just for this calculator. You can get access to the podcast without syncing in iTunes and as well, you can, you're able to keep up with the latest MVP news via Twitter. And there are links to all of the websites in the MVP community, as well as a couple of ways to contact me directly from your iPhone. Remember too, that this app is also a way to donate a little back and help keep this podcast going. So do consider picking up a copy, even if it's just your way of making a contribution. I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can jump to my app page by typing mbp.ac slash app, A-P-P, in your browser's address bar. Note that I'm going to illustrate today's podcast with a lot of photographs from the show, but I'm not going to call out all of them as we proceed, so do take a look at your iPhone screen as we move through the podcast or visit the blog at mbp.ac273 to see the images interspersed throughout the transcript for this episode. As you've heard in recent months, as I kept you up to date with my preparation, I had my first solo exhibition called The Nature of Japan at the HAC Gallery in Minami Aoyama, Tokyo from December 23rd to the 30th. The show went incredibly well in many aspects and not so well in others. To get the not so good things out of the way so that we can talk about the better things. Firstly, despite everyone that visited really seeming to enjoy the 38 pieces displayed, I sold approximately none of my prints during the show. From a business perspective, this is of course not good, especially when you consider that it cost me around $3,000 to rent the gallery and put on the opening party, and around $2,000 for the materials and frames, etc. for the prints. This means that I, I paid out about $5,000 to put, the, put on this show without even considering the cost for my time to make the prints and do all of the other preparation. In cold, hard cash return, I reaped approximately no yen, which at the current exchange rate equates to about zero dollars. 
This is, of course, disappointing, uh, especially as I believe that the pricing of the pieces was pretty reasonable. I'd priced the framed prints that you saw me making in podcast episode 271 at $380, and I priced the 20 by 30 gallery wraps at $680, and the gallery owner confirmed that these prices were very reasonable, if not a little low for the market. Now, I know that I've I would have sold or could have sold more images if I'd priced the work at maybe around 50% of this. But that's really not what my brand is about. As most of you know, I take pride in the quality of my work from capture to finished piece. And I feel that with all considered, the pricing was quite reasonable. So does this mean that the exhibition was a failure? Absolutely not. Sure, it would have been nice to have sold some prints or maybe even sold enough to have broken even financially, but I gained so much more from doing this exhibition than financial rewards, so let's take a look at some of these now. The comments I received from almost everyone that saw the show were incredibly positive. Many people said that they thought the work displayed and the way it was displayed was incredibly high quality. The gallery owner said that my work was higher quality with better presentation than most established pros, which I was really pleased to hear. One of the people from the head office of this chain of galleries that visited had a similar opinion and he also told the editor of one of the major Japanese magazines about me, who in turn looked at my work and will be, hopefully, will be discussing ways of working together in the near future. These are exactly the kind of contacts that I was hoping to make and could end up paying me back far more in the future than the profit from print sales. This is a different type of value, but it has business value all the same. We had a guest book for people to sign, which was quite cool actually. Most of the guest books that you can buy here in Japan are specifically for weddings, so I decided to make my own. We bought a leather loose leaf ring binder for B5 size paper and then got some blank sheets with the holes ready punched and printed out the pages prompting visitors to write their name, mail address, postal address and also a comment on the show. The book looked great but we also put the uh, the MBP Neely Man logo across the back of the uh, across the page at 10% grey as a kind of watermark which I thought was an, an additional nice touch. There's a photo of the in the podcast, um, so you know. All I'm not going to call all of these out. Like I said, do take a look at your screen if you want to if you want to see what I'm talking about, or be looking at this on the blog. One recurring theme from many of the comments that I received was to do with seeing the nature of Japan with the clarity of my eye, and sometimes the purity of my heart which I found very touching. One guy that is a painter turned up on one, of, on one of the days and I recognized him immediately because I'd actually photographed him painting in a park earlier this summer. And I'd, I'd, I'd actually seen him twice after that painting in various places. He wears a large conical traditional hat while painting, so he's, he's easy to recognize. I was able to quickly talk while talk with him while he was there and he told me that he found my images to be 
very clean, which I took as a huge compliment. Unfortunately, he came at one of the few times when the gallery was really full of people. And there were probably around eight groups um, of people in the gallery at that time. And so I didn't have time to really talk with him. I heard from my wife afterwards, though, that um, you know he seems to have a bad right arm, probably from painting every day for years, and struggled to write in the guest book. But after he'd written his comment, he stood and asked my wife if he could read it to her. She said yes, of course, and he proceeded to do so. And apparently my wife had to fight back the tears as he read his comment. But uh, yeah, as we found later, what he'd read out was slightly different to what he'd actually written. And it was pretty difficult to translate. Now, it was pretty difficult to read. Um, but I found the thought behind the comment, the sentiment behind his comment, to be incredibly powerful. And it translates very poorly, I'm afraid, to this. I was fulfilled by the clarity of your eye and your heart reflected in God's hand as you quietly ask permission of your own hand to release the shutter. I'll put the original Japanese with a few guest grammatical fixes into the blog post for those of you that can read Japanese and that are interested. I also had to fight back the tears as my wife told me about the scenario and although it was pretty difficult to understand exactly what he'd meant with a few missing characters the sentiment came across loud and clear and that made us both very happy. There were a lot of people that made similar comments as one person wrote when they looked at my images they felt that they could almost hear the sound of my heart beating as I was releasing the shutter. Clean, clarity, pure, innocent were words that came up a lot in the comments and this really, really resonated with me. Although I love the technology that we have these days and do sometimes feel like getting a little bit more experimental with my post-processing, the vast majority of my images have had very little done to them. The most time I spend on my images is when I take a few minutes to create a black and white version of an image in Silver Effects Pro. I'm proud of the fact that I usually nail my exposure in camera and composition is usually pretty much what I intend it to be, with the exception of the odd crop necessary because I use a lot of prime lenses. I'm proud of the sharpness of my images too, and it made me very happy to receive these sort of comments from visitors of the exhibition. It was also very easy to see which of the visitors themselves were avid photographers because they would almost without fail walk right up to a 20 by 30 inch canvas or the prints and almost press their noses against them to check the sharpness. They all commented though on how impressive the pieces looked, even up close, so I don't think I disappointed anyone. In total we had a handful of people short of a hundred that visited the show during the eight days it was open. I think that the fact that I had been stubborn and done the show during 2010 and so you know so basically the only time that we could book the gallery was the last week of the year probably led to me getting fewer visitors from professionals or art collectors but 
I think I, I did, it did help me to get many more people through the door that would otherwise not have been able to visit. It was great to see some of the podcast listeners that were in Japan for their Christmas and New Year holidays, and many of the Japanese people that had visited did so using a few hours break from their year-end chores, which would not have been possible had they been working. Although there were a few days where we only had a handful of people turn up, I'm happy with the turnout overall, especially as the majority of the people that visited genuinely seemed to enjoy themselves. You might remember that I mentioned something that I was going to tell you about um, later, I'd said, and was keeping under wraps until the show. Well, time prevented me from doing that, but I had intended to create a batch of folio covers using my die-pressed embossed folios, uh, the folders that I created for my fine art folios, and then make a number of 8.5 by 11 prints of each of the 38 pieces to enable people to select up to 10 of their favourite pieces to create their own custom folio. As time ran out, I started to think about just creating a sample folder and 10 images just as a sample um, to show people what the custom folios would look like and make them available for order rather than printing out a number of each of the pieces in advance. But it would have been too much work and with the the number of people that eventually came, I don't think that I, I'd have made enough money to warrant the time uh, or the material and you know the overall investment here. I found that Although I priced all of my pieces, I didn't want to get all tacky trying to sell these folios to people either, so I don't really regret not doing this, but I did think that it was a pretty original idea. I've kept you up to date about my reasoning for doing the show, so I I won't go into too much detail here again, but I would like to reiterate that one of the main reasons for my doing it was to put my name on the map here in Tokyo, as many people that know of me are outside of Japan, including, of course, all of you listeners to this podcast. My wife and I had a laugh, uh, by the way, although we we were very pleased to hear that one young lady that came to see the show said that a friend in France had told her to come by because she lived in Tokyo. Uh, Thanks to that person for telling your friend, by the way, if you're listening. I really did appreciate that. There were many Japanese people, though, that came by, despite not having heard of me until they heard about the exhibition or just saw the poster as they walked by and came down the stairs out of curiosity. One guy who was just getting into photography said that he'd been searching for images of the snow monkeys And that led him to my site, which led him to the exhibition page. And he rushed to the gallery to see to see the show. And, you know, in the last few days before we closed, he was very happy to have noticed in time. And for me, again, this was another local Japanese person that now knows about me and my work. So these stories are all great to hear about. We were also touched by one woman who spent a long time with us at the gallery and actually cried with happiness at being able to make it to see the show. There were uh, a few people that have mentioned 
uh, that they had, you know, they're considering buying buying one of the pieces. And I do, of course, still hope that uh, we were able to sell some of them. But for me and my wife, as we settle down in the aftermath and recall the last few weeks, it will be these kind of heartwarming human moments that alone will have made it worth all the time and expense of the show. One thing that surprised me was that despite me managing to get a nice piece in a a popular photography magazine and even getting at least one mention in a local Tokyo newspaper that we know of, none of the people that came to see the exhibition said that they'd seen it mentioned in any of the printed media like this. It was all from seeing postcards, hearing about the show on Twitter, hearing from friends, probably some of you, thanks again, or from just seeing the post, the poster outside. I guess this is important information for next time, and although I will still try to get some press coverage in the future, I'm less convinced that printed media is a good way to spread the word these days. Anyway... Let's take a step back now and talk a little bit about the logistics of actually setting up the exhibition. I've kept you up to date on most of the preparation, so I won't repeat all of this. You might remember that all of the pieces were numbered and we had a chart of which pieces were to go on the on which wall and in which order. Having written the number of each print on its box, hanging the prints went pretty smoothly. We were able to start carrying the canvases and prints into the gallery at 6.30pm on the 22nd, the night before we opened. The gallery had prepared wires hanging from the rails along the top of the walls and a a quick check after we arrived um, and had carried the pieces down the stairs showed us that we needed another six wires in place. So we had them get those ready while we were uh, hanging the first few prints. It turns out that the dimensions of the walls of the gallery that, the, that they'd published on their website and that we'd used to plan how we'd hang the prints, including the spacing, was wrong. Uh, not all of it, but there were some areas that were incorrect. They'd included the width of the pillars uh, in the walls, the wall widths. Um, on some of the some of the mistakes at least so we had to make some snap decisions as we started to set up the first wall was the most disappointing the published dimensions included the width of that dark pillar that you can see along the right side of this image there was also no wire rail on that pillar so there was no way to hang a print on it either This meant that the only options for hanging these first four canvases was to hang them all with virtually no space between them, or to move one to the start of the next wall. The next wall, though, also contained the the width of the pillars in the plans, so we didn't have any leeway to move that around without having a knock-on effect on the rest of the walls. So we decided to hang all of the four canvases, the first four canvases, on that first wall with little space between them. This in itself didn't look too bad, but it meant that the first canvas of the mother and child snow monkey was, uh, that was really one of the pieces that I really wanted to hit people with as they came in. 
it actually was less eye-catching than I wanted it to be. People, many people came down the stairs and into the gallery, and as they turned around to say hello as they entered, um, you know, they, they sort of then turned back around, and by the time they'd swung back around, they were in front of the second gallery wrap. Granted, many of them went back and, and many really enjoyed the snow monkey photo, but I'm sure the impact was reduced by the, the less than smooth start. This photo shows the view of the interior of the HAC gallery once you swing around from viewing the first wall. You can't see the pieces behind the partition towards the back of the gallery from here, but you can see the furthest corner on the right and part of the fifth gallery wrap, which is the first piece on the left side wall. The next problem that we came across was that there was a step in the centre of the middle wall on the left because we had pulled one of the partitions out to, you know, out to the back of the gallery there. So I had to switch the order of pieces 13 and 14 so that I had a portrait aspect image came as number 13 instead of a landscape aspect image. This wasn't too tough a decision though and I think the overall look of the wall was largely unchanged by this switch around. The next dimension mistake was the furthest wall from the entrance. Because this wall was narrower than we thought, we had to bring my Poppy Heaven image over onto the left wall and move the white poppy in the red Sea of Poppies uh, gallery wrap onto the dark pillar to make room. This actually didn't look too bad, and there was a wire rail on this pillar this time, so it was quite. I was quite happy with the the change. This also gave us the benefit of having all four flower shots on one wall, which I liked. As you swung around from here in this uh, this next image, you can see the back wall and then the start of the long straight back down. The right side of the gallery which is you know it's basically the last wall there that long straight we were able to hang that according to plan here's another view as you look back into the gallery past the partition which we use to give people a little bit of privacy and also to increase the gallery wall space as we hung the first few gallery wraps and prints we started to take measurements from the floor so that we could get all of the prints at the same height relative to their size and aspect ratios. We hung the pieces relatively low so that a person of around 5 foot 2 would be able to view the prints without looking up at them. 5 foot 2 is about the average height of a Japanese woman and I'd rather have the larger men look down on a print than have all the women having to strain looking up at the prints too much. Once we'd hung the prints at roughly the right height, we had to go around and ensure that the spacing was good and the height was uh, as it should be for each type of print. The gallery had a large heavy paper tube handy, like the, you know, it's like the centre of, of some roll paper or something, which we used to knock the, the little um, metal... I don't, know what, I don't know if they've got a name, but the little metal wheel things that sit in the rail 
we were able to knock those along in the rail to adjust the gaps between the pictures. We didn't measure the gaps, rather, you know, we just spaced them all by eye. It also took quite a bit of time to get the images straight, as often just the tiniest movement of the hook on the string on the back of the, the print made it rock too far one way or the other. Once we'd hung the prints, we stuck the captions below each image. Uh, as I intended to, to be at the gallery every day, I didn't write captions on the cards as such. I just wrote the title and the location and the month and year that the image was made. As the gallery warmed up though, the wires um, that, you know, that the prints were hanging from expanded a little, so I actually had to go around and adjust the height of the captions the following day. All in all, it took about three and a half hours to carry the pieces into the gallery, hang them and adjust the height and spacing and post the caption cards. The opening party on the evening of the first day was a lot of fun. Some old friends came and a number of new friends and we all enjoyed ourselves for a few hours. As a number of other people turned up after this, I shot this photo, my only regret was not being able to talk to everyone as much as I'd have liked. It was really nice though, totally uh, unexpected um, but it was really nice that a number of people even sent flowers with a message of congratulations on the opening day. I was really surprised to see an old friend from my college days here in Japan who came down from way up north, as well as many of my friends from around Tokyo. I was also floored by a huge bunch of flowers that my old colleagues from the day job that I left in September had sent over. The kindness and generosity of these people and everyone that uh, was involved just it just never failed to amaze me. I wasn't much use when I got home after the opening party, not just because I'd had my fill of beer and wine, but also because I was worn out. I'd been up until late the night before finishing my preparations and trying to create a slideshow of the images to post as last week's podcast. I ended up crashing out uh, almost as soon as I got home, but then completed the slideshow the following evening and released it on Christmas Day. If you subscribe by iTunes, you'll have seen the video come out, the iPhone version at least, but I also posted a, a full-sized version on the blog, which I hope you caught. If you didn't already catch the video, I'll embed it into the blog for this post, uh, the blog post for this episode as well but uh, just take that take a look at that if you get a moment it's uh, it's relatively good even though I say myself don't forget to click on the full screen button on the player uh, in the you know the window of the video player to see the slideshow as large as possible and if scaling isn't turned on when you start the video turn it on with the button on the in the top right corner of the player and really fill your screen with the video I embedded four video clips that I've had stashed away on my hard drive for the last year or so as well to just help to illustrate the background of some of the still images. And I also used video instead of the still photograph a couple of times, which I hope you enjoy.
Thanks for all of the kind comments that I've already received. And I do hope that you, those of you that have not yet checked out the video will have time to take a look at it. I'm quite pleased with how it turned out. I also kept the video running on my laptop during the exhibition to allow people to see the movement in the sun pillar shot, which doesn't really come across in a still image. And many people stopped to watch the entire slideshow, even after looking at the 38 pieces displayed, which shows you that, you know, it, a multimedia presentation can actually be quite captivating. I think I overdid it on the first few days though, as I ended up coming down with some sort of a bug that really knocked the wind out of me for the next five days of the exhibition. Although it wasn't enough to stop me from really enjoying the time that people were visiting the exhibition, I was so tired each evening that I wasn't able to do much more than eat dinner, take a shower and then just crash out for the night. Luckily, by the last day, I'd just about gotten back to normal, which was good because we had to break the exhibition down and load the car up to take the pieces home again that evening. There was no one left in the gallery after about 6.30pm, so from 6.45 we started to take the caption cards off the wall and then turn the music off at 7pm and started to take the canvases and prints down from the wall and initially I took the prints down and just put them on the floor below their wires as my wife started to put the prints into their respective numbered boxes. We then wrapped the gallery wraps in their paper, uh, the ones that they were in when we brought them out here and I then went out to get the car uh, from the car park at 7.55pm. We'd come by train all of the other days, but on this last day I'd come by car to take the work back home. With most people now on holiday, the roads were clear, so we were home and had everything unpacked from the car by about 9pm. On the whole, the exhibition might not have flown as well as I, I would have liked it to have done financially, but I, I wouldn't have missed the experience for the world. It was an amazing thing to just meet many of the people that have been listening to the podcast for a long time and people that I've known only from Twitter and Facebook. It was also great to meet lots of people for the first time that just happened to find the postcard in one of the stores that I left them in or stumbled across the exhibition page by chance. The relationships that we build are valuable in many ways, even if it's not obvious at first. Every meeting is a seed planted, even if it turns out to be nothing more than a pretty flower or a blade of grass. It might be exactly what we need to feed our soul. Of course, the people that we meet might lead to something else too. Either way, everyone we meet is important and valuable to us in one way or another so i really wouldn't have traded this at this whole experience for anything so still not back into the swing of things fully i'm aware that this episode may not have been as structured and as easy as follow as I'd have liked it to be, but hopefully I won't have um, wasted, totally wasted um, my New Year's Day putting this together. 
Note that the photography assignment for January is on the theme of business card. There are a few special rules for this month, so do check the assignment forum before you start to get stuck into photographing for this assignment. Thank you very much for listening today and again a happy new year. I hope that it brings everyone everything that you that you want or you're hoping for and more. And remember that you can find me on Flickr and Facebook as well as Twitter and of course my blog and the photography forum. All links are on the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com so do drop by. I'll be back next week with another episode, but in the meantime, you just have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye. This is Dave Warner, and I'm the host of the LensFlare35.com podcast. Each week I bring you interviews with some of the top photographers using digital SLR cameras. They share some of their coolest tips and tricks, techniques and news about what they're up to. So please take a moment to visit the website, or subscribe to LensFlare 35 on iTunes. The Martin Bailey Photography Podcast is a proud member of the Photocast Network. Find this and other great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com.